With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to On The Man. I'm Kent Sesco with the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. Joined by Doug Van Gelder. Doug, how are you this afternoon? Well, you know, we're going to be talking wrestling here, and I'm pretty disappointed in the uh, performances that uh, came about at the World Championships, but uh, we'll get into that in more detail. Other than that, it's a pretty good day. Absolutely. Uh, Before we get into uh, analyzing our World Championship teams, uh, tonight's guest will be wrestling enthusiast Jim Brown from Cedar Rapids and former UNI NCAA runner-up Joel Greenlee, who will be inducted into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame this weekend. So excited to hear what uh, these gentlemen will have to say. As you mentioned, Doug, uh, our USA wrestling team at the World Championships in Moscow, Russia from September 6th through the 12th did not have a good performance. Uh, 21 wrestlers competed in three different disciplines and brought home a grand total of two medals. Both of them won in the women's freestyle division. Uh, Tatiana Padilla, an outstanding young talent, only 19 years old, uh, captured a bronze medal at the 121-pound division, and Alina Piraskova won the silver at 138 pounds. So congratulations to these two young ladies. Outstanding job. The American women, uh, obviously the best out of our three performers, Doug, won 13 bouts in the tournament, lost eight, placed fifth in the team standings. Our Greco-Roman wrestlers uh, won 10 matches, lost 10, and 264-pound uh, Dermil Byers and 211-pound Justin Reese both placed fifth in their respective divisions, and their team finish was 13th. Our men's freestyle team was the most disappointing, only winning a total of four matches, two of those by 121-pounder Obi Blanc, and the team went a combined four and seven. Where do we go from here, Doug? Well, it's back to the drawing board. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, hopefully they got some experience, but uh, we were talking about this earlier. I don't know why it isn't a double elimination tournament so they can get more of a feel for what's going on out there, but maybe they don't want us to have that feel. Yeah, it's certainly an unfortunate situation. Of course, these are the best wrestlers in the world, and as we talked about in previous programs, the World Championships are actually tougher than the Olympics just because of the larger brackets. More athletes are... Uh, admitted to compete in the tournament where in the Olympics generally the weight classes are limited to 20 to 24 competitors whereas in the world championships you can often have you know 32 or greater sometimes in the 40s or 50s I know in 2007 when Brad Veering 
was second in the world at 185 pounds in Greco. He actually had 53 guys in his bracket. Wow. So uh, a lot of athletes out there. How many matches did he have to wrestle then? I believe he won five to make the finals. Okay. Won five to make the finals and then got beat in the finals. So uh, Brad Bearing in 2007, 53-man bracket. So a lot of a lot of variables, uh, Doug. As we've mentioned, uh, you know, it's it's easily it's easy to point blame at whoever, but you know, where does the blame go? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the administration? Is it the athletes? Um, seems like these guys are pretty well prepared based upon their trips and their training and all the research that we've done prior to the tournament. Any speculation as to where our fallout is? Well, I think we just have to. You know, it goes right back to the roots and the stuff we've been talking about at this level. Uh, we're, we're trying to uh, wrestle one one uh, style for the first 18 years of our life, basically, 16 years, whatever it is. And uh, then we step into the freestyle world where people have been doing it for some of them 30 years or better. So I don't know if that's the blame. I don't know if, uh, if we just don't have enough athletes to... Fill, fill what we need to do. You know, we, we need to get them to commit to a long term. We haven't been willing or been able to come up with uh, economic opportunities for these guys to keep uh, going. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a struggle for us. We, if we really truly want to get behind, uh, yeah, if we want to get behind the freestyle and the Greco and the women, we're going to have to make a really strong monetary commitment. And I just. Uh, we're not set up for that in this country until we start winning some more. You're not going to get the interest from the people. And it's, it's a catch-22. Very good points. Of course, we talked about in previous shows, the Living the Dream Metal Fund, very heavily promoted out in Colorado Springs. Opportunities for our athletes uh, to win good chunks of money based upon bringing home uh, medals uh, for the world championships for... Uh, 2009, 2010, 2011, uh, an American wins a, a gold medal, $50,000, $25,000 uh, for a silver, which Alina Piroscova took advantage of, and $15,000 for a bronze, which Tatiana Padilla uh, will receive as well. So a lot of money un untapped, if you will, based upon this cycle of the Living the Dream Foundation, Living the Dream Medal Fund, and, of course, that those numbers increase significantly for our Olympic years and uh, a pretty nice uh, pot at the end of the rainbow in 2012, Doug, $250,000 for any of our uh, Olympic wrestlers that win a gold medal, 50000 for silver and twenty five for bronze. But as we are well aware, we are, we are contending with uh, mixed martial arts now, which I love mixed martial arts. The only thing that I don't like about it is it, it draws a lot of our, uh, our young post-collegiate wrestlers out of the sport, and you'd like to see them uh, stick around for at least one or two Olympic cycles just so we uh, have the best competition uh, freestyle Greco-Roman domestically so that we can send the best athlete uh, to the world in Olympic championships but that's something that we're gonna have to contend with yeah just just a point here uh, when did you know women's wrestling really become a an Olympic sport it did not become an Olympic sport until 2004 so they the women have only wrestled in the Olympics uh, for two Olympiads However, the women were allowed to start competing at the World Championships as early as, I think, 1990, 1991, okay. uh, where Tricia Saunders came in in yep. her late yep. 20s, early 30s, and uh, won four titles. Well, see, and, and here we go to the World Championships. You've got two women that medaled mm -hmm. and a fifth, and they've freestyled all their life. That's all they've ever done. 
for the most part, yeah. You know, there's, well, yeah, I mean, there's just no folk style that, is there a, I mean, there isn't organized women's wrestling other than what we have right now, and that's a freestyle wrestling. Unless that's what, how they score. Yeah, good point. So some of those uh, women who are our freestyle team, of course, at the probably as a kid and, and at the club level and maybe even the junior high or high school perhaps competed against guys uh, in, the, in the folk style discipline. But from the, the college teams, the uh, Lindenwood, Waldorf, uh, the, the teams that compete at the national duels in women's freestyle uh, at the collegiate levels, you know, that's that's where that is. I'm not sure. I know in certain states, Doug, like in Texas and some of the other states, they do actually have women's freestyle, excuse me, women's folk style wrestling at the high school level. But those opportunities are rare. Um, you know, some other things we have to take into consideration, certainly not excuses, but facts. Our expectations are high. That's why we're disappointed with this year's uh, USA team's uh, finishes at the World Championships in Moscow, Russia. Now, if we go back, Doug, prior to the Cold War, where countries uh, which are now Azerbaijan, Armenia, Uzbekistan, uh, the Ukraine, Uzbekistan, those every wrestler from those particular areas providences, whatever you want to call them at the time, those were all competing to be that one Russian guy yeah. at that particular yeah. weight. Now, essentially, what we have is multiple, you know, quote-unquote Russians from the old Russian regime where, you know, the wrestling is very strong in those countries. So when we, we looked at the results, uh, the Russians had another phenomenal tournament out of the seven weight classes, the country of Russia, four gold medals, two silver and a bronze but if you look at a lot of the other medals uh they were coming from the ukraine azerbaijan yep. uh, georgia uh, a lot of the russian nations so we can re i think realistically say now that it's tougher to win a world championship now than it's ever been i can agree with that you know that's uh like i said it, these guys come from all over uh, southern europe eastern and southern asia then you throw in japan they've uh, been traditionally they've been very strong iran turkey cuba yeah. uh, a lot of very strong countries out there doug so i don't know if we're going to be able to until we make a, either a full commitment to wrestling freestyle full-time i just don't ever see us really becoming world champions again i think it can be done i really do i think there's still a lot of benefit to, to the freestyle uh, discipline it, and, and the folk style, of course. We're the only country in the world that wrestles folk style, so it's a we're we're in a unique scenario there. And you know, essentially, folk style is where our audience base comes from. As anybody's aware, has been to the NCA Division One tournament every year. It's a fantastic atmosphere. Sixteen, seventeen thousand fans every session. It's electric. Uh, it's terrific wrestling. Uh, it's exciting, but. I think as as a wrestling world, as a wrestling nation, Doug, we have to do a better job of getting people to say, well, I don't like freestyle or I don't like Greco-Roman. To me, wrestling is wrestling. We need to embrace this, the sport regardless of the discipline, and we need to get more people involved so that uh, we can get better performances. And well, Maybe we should have a world folk style championship. <laughs> there we go. Invite all the Russians over and see yeah, how they see do. How they do. <laughs> the guy that wrestled for Oklahoma idea. State this year didn't do that great. <laughs> I think he great. was a Russian national champ, junior national champion, wasn't he? I believe so. 197-pounder. Yeah. yeah, he beat uh, Beatty first round at the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm not sure if he placed at the NCAA. I don't think he did. I don't think he did either. Okay. Well, um, 
again, certainly not happy with our performance from our, our United States team over in Moscow for the World Championships. Our, our women had the best representation, as we mentioned. Uh, Padilla with a bronze, Pierce Culver with a silver. Uh, Kelsey Campbell did get a fifth place, went won three matches, lost two at 130 pounds. They ended up fifth as a team. Ended correct. up fifth as a team, uh, won 13 matches, lost eight. Uh, so as a whole... Again, our uh, Greco-Roman went 10 and 10, men's freestyle 4 and 7, women 13 and 8, 27 wins, 25 losses, and 52 bouts competed. Uh, we won two medals, a silver and a bronze, both from women's freestyle. Three wrestlers placing fifth: Kelsey Campbell, Jamil Byers, Justin Reese. 16 wrestlers DNP. Uh, of course, DNP do not, did not place. I guess the most disturbing thing that, that bothers me, Doug, is, is looking at the numbers. Nine out of 27 athletes excuse me, 9 out of 21 athletes, my fault, 9 out of 21 athletes uh, did not win a match. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, you prepare for months and months. You know, they're, they're starting to prepare for next year already, right now. Absolutely. And uh, to go there and have a single elimination tournament, it doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, the tournament obviously should be double elimination, and uh, hopefully some, that will change sometime in the near future with the way the rules change so often. It would certainly be a nice way to uh, bolster some more participation and better opportunities for guys to back and win a medal. <clears throat> I think we ought to get some kind of new uh, fila. <laughs> you know, make it make it more sensibly controlled. Old fila hasn't been too uh, too good for the Americans. They have not been sure. consistent either. No, it's, it's, it's a rash of inconsistencies, no doubt about it. Uh, Doug, the last U.S. team not to win a medal at the World Championships was in 1975, and ironically, that tournament was held in Minsk. 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 It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Minsk, Russia. And uh, that, coach, that team was actually coached by Dan Gable, who uh, my brother Craig, who was out there for the tournament representing USA Wrestling, talked to Dan that day, and, and uh, he said... He said, yeah, I coached that team. I think it was in Min Minsk. But uh, they didn't win a medal, but they did have four guys who got fourth place and had a respectable team finish. So certainly uh, it was, <clears throat> was not as disappointing as this year's team. So there again, that was before the Russians all split into 15 different countries. So Yeah, yeah. It's certainly a factor. It's a big factor when we talk about that. Um, the World Championships next year move to Istanbul, Turkey, Doug. And then, of course, the 2012 Summer Olympics will be held in London, England. So our international wrestlers have the work cut out for them. They'll take some time off, let their bodies heal up, get a fresh mindset, and start looking towards uh, competing at the uh, Sunkist Open in October in Arizona. Well, it's my hope that they don't get discouraged and, and stick it out. There's a lot of guys. It was their first time for a world championship in uh some of the ladies also. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough year. And if they take uh, take that drubbing to to their heart, that's going to give them reason to train every day a little bit harder. Yep, it should be a good test in uh, our athletes' persistence and perseverance and should certainly be a very strong motivator for our USA Wrestling athletes. Shifting gears, the Panther Wrestling Booster Club will have its first meeting of the season tomorrow. Thursday, September 16th, starting at 7 p.m. at Beck's on University Avenue. Stop by and check it out. Also mark your calendars. Friday, Next Friday, September 24th, the Dan Gable Museum will be hosting its quarterly breakfast social from 8 to 9 a.m. 1984 Olympic silver medalist in the 400-meter hurdles, Danny Harris, 
will be the keynote speaker. Harris is now an, an assistant men's track coach at UNI. While he was an Iowa State Cyclone, Doug, he was undefeated in 37 races in the 400-meter hurdles and was a three-time NCAA champion in that event. So looking forward to uh, hearing from Mr. Harris and seeing a lot of our good friends of the museum and anyone who hasn't been to the museum. Great opportunity to come down and check it out and uh, have a little breakfast and good way to start off your Friday. Uh, another event, Doug, that we want to people to attend is the UNI Wrestling Coaches Social. We've had a couple of those here in the area. And next one is going to be on Tuesday, September 28th at the home of Jerry Rowling in Cedar Falls. Jerry's address is 10770 Mark Road in Cedar Falls. And this event will go from 6 to 8.30 p.m. again on Tuesday, September the 28th. The Panther Wrestling Booster Club meeting tomorrow night. Breakfast social at the Dan Gable Museum on the 24th. And you and I, coaches social at Jerry Rowling's home on the 28th. All of these are free and open to the public. We'd love to see a great crowd supporting each of these events, Doug. Well, absolutely. You know, it's always a good time when they get uh, get together. Uh, I, I'd be interested in hearing Danny, but I'm not going to be able to make that that uh, visit that night, so I'm relying on you to give me all the details and the lowdown, Kent. I'll be glad to take care of you, Doug. All right. We'll take good care of you. Again, the USA Wrestling's preseason folk-style nationals, fast approaching. will be held at the Unidome in Cedar Falls on Saturday, October 30th. This is the third year of the event, second time at the Unidome. Wrestlers first grade through senior year in high school are eligible to compete. You can go to themat.com to sign up to wrestle in that tournament. Also, folk-style no, folk tournament, you betcha. October 30th, another preseason national tournament, folk-style, Doug, is uh, debuting Saturday, October 23rd, Rochester, Minnesota. The Intermat JJ Classic will be put on by intermatwrestle.com, led by owner Andrew Hips. This tournament is open for grades for kids in grades 7 through 12. It will take place at the UCR Regional Sports Center in Rochester. Same venue as the Clash, as well as the Junior College Nationals for many years. For more details on the Intermat JJ Classic, go to intermatwrestle.com. Okay. So, why don't we go ahead and take a break. You are listening to On The Mat, KCNZ AM 1650. The fan will be back in two minutes talking with Jim Brown. Uh, my name's Kevin Boyle. I've known the uh, the owners from Smitty's Tire and Appliance for the last 25 years. Smitty's gives you the personal touch. Uh, whenever you walk through the door, there's somebody there to greet you. If you have any questions, they answer all your questions. But more importantly, uh, if you have any issues with any of your appliances, they make it right. My name is Sherry Kaiser. The guys at Smitty's know what they're doing. They know their appliances inside and out, and they will be able to custom fit whatever appliance you need with your unique needs. My name is Tim Wolf and I'm a salesman at Smitty's Tire Appliance for the last nine years. Smitty's is a great place to work. There's a great camaraderie with all the salesmen, all the co-workers. We all get along great and it's just a fun place to come to work every day. I'm Kathy Kerr. I've been using Smitty's Tire and Appliance for almost 20 years. I would happily send a friend to Smitty's for either tires or appliances. In fact, I've done so with a number of friends. They're good, honest people and they're local. Let's keep our money in town. We are Advanced Systems. We've added to our fleet to provide you more of the same great service you expect. As a leader in the office technology industry for over 50 years, we've built a history of service in document processing. We help manage, create, reproduce, and store your company's vital information. 
From the beautiful banks of the mighty Mississippi to the heart of the Cedar Valley, servicing customers throughout America's heartland to the city of five seasons. When you need us, we'll be there. We are Advanced Systems. Electronic Engineering is the Cedar Valley's communications provider. Located on Ainsboro in Waterloo, Electronic Engineering specializes in Motorola two-way radios, security and surveillance for your home or business, GPS tracking systems, EMS equipment, paging, and much more. Electronic Engineering is an authorized Motorola two-way radio dealer and service center. Stop in at 750 Ainsboro, Waterloo for connections you can count on. Electronic Engineering. Your home for Cedar Falls Tiger football again this season is 1650 The Fan and AM 1250. This is Jim Cordy. Join Greg Grone and me all season long on air and online as we follow the Tigers through the Mississippi Valley Conference season and another birth in the state football playoffs. And this week it's a Thursday night football game as the Cedar Falls Tigers take on Cedar Rapids Jefferson. Join Jim Cordy and Greg Grone for all the action with the Tiger pregame report at 645. Kickoff at 715 on your home for the Tigers. 1650 The Fan, KCNZ on air and online. Welcome back to On The Man. I'm Kent Sesker with the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum, joined by the world's greatest co-host, Doug Van Gelder. Our first guest tonight is Jim Brown, businessman from Cedar Rapids, who's one of the most active wrestling fans in the nation. Jim, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. Uh, Jim, you write a wrestling blog titled The View from Section GG. Tell our listeners why you started the blog and what you wish to accomplish with it. Well, I started it, I've been a wrestling fan for a long time, and, um, oh, I subscribe to uh, a couple of different wrestling publications, and I read pretty much everything that's, that's on uh, the Internet. And one of the things that I found was that an awful lot of people who were writing were either um, ex-wrestlers, ex-coaches, or somehow had a long uh, official tie to the sport in some way. And um, I'm just a fan. I uh, I tell everybody, you know, I won the eighth grade intramural ch championship at Frank L. Smart Junior High in in uh, Davenport, uh, but that's the only wrestling I've ever done. Um, I, I got uh, fell in love with the sport, um, and as everyone who gets uh, obsessed about anything, you start to develop your opinions, and and of course. Uh, uh, your own opinions are always the best that there are. And, sure. and so um, uh, I started writing the blog just to talk about the, the, the thoughts that I typically have about wrestling and, and I, I, about the athletes, the coaches, the competition, the state of the sport, uh, marketing the sport, um, good things, bad things, just whatever happens to be uh, on my mind uh, that week. I try to write it every week. Sometimes I miss a week, but uh, uh, I, I, for some reason I end up thinking a lot about wrestling, and, and, and I'm uh, not afraid to uh, put it out there on the Internet. Or your thoughts, Adi. You're, you have a lot of terrific articles. Uh, Jim, how can our listeners sign up to receive your blog updates? Oh, well, uh, if you just Google search... Uh, uh, the view from Section GG, okay. uh, you'll find it. Okay, so our listeners... 
can go to the view from section GG on your Google, click on it, and that will take you to the route to sign up to listen to uh, listen to read Jim's blog that uh, normally is out on a, a weekly or biweekly basis. I I uh, post I posted on Monday, um, so if you're interested in reading, just check uh, Monday afternoon. There is no sign up. Anybody can go to it that wants to go to it. Uh, I have. Uh, a group of what I call subscribers who are, who are people who have interacted with me um, over the years, either given me feedback on the blog or contributed to the blog or uh, in, in some way expressed uh, extra interest in always being sure that they got it. And, and to those people, um, I, they typically get a little bit of an additional message from me as I, as I send the email notification out to them. Uh, many times that's just a little uh, add-on to the blog. Okay. We're talking with Jim Brown, wrestling enthusiast from Cedar Rapids. You mentioned your intramural junior high victory. Now, why would you get out of the sport after winning a tournament like that, Jim? You should have <laughs> taken, taken that uh, momentum at the high school level and tested your skills. <laughs> well, <laughs> because, uh, quite frankly, at that time, I didn't have uh, what it took uh, really to be a wrestler. I've come to appreciate, um, have tremendous admiration uh, for those um, who, who do have the gumption to take up wrestling and stay with wrestling and succeed in wrestling. Um, I found that I was pretty good. I could run in one 440-yard uh, circle okay, and that was about the, my athletic ability back then. understand. Obviously, your, your passion for the sport of wrestling has evolved. What has made you, the further you've got into wrestling, so passionate about supporting and promoting our great sport? Well, Kent, if you... If you spend much time on the internet, uh, and I probably spend way too much time there, you start to see a lot of people who, who are always saying, uh, why doesn't somebody do something about this, or why doesn't somebody do something about that, why doesn't the NCAA handle this, where is the NWCA on this particular issue, and um, I just thought, well, what the heck, you know? Why can't that somebody be me? Why can't I find something that maybe I can uh, I can do uh, that'll help the sport? And and I fooled around with a couple of things for a little while, and and uh, then I landed on one that seems to work for me. Absolutely, which is a nice segue into the next topic. We're talking with Jim Brown, wrestling enthusiast from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, Jim, last year you launched an ambitious project called Tickets for Kids which was intended to allow young kids to attend the Saturday morning session at the NCAA Division III Championships that were held at the U.S. Cellular Center in Cedar Rapids. Tell us how, su how successful this venture was and how you have now expanded the Tickets for Kids program for the 2010-2011 wrestling season. Well, I set the goal last year. Uh, I wanted to raise enough money so that we could send uh, 1,000 kids uh, to that Saturday morning session. And we didn't make it, but um, we did get a uh, few over 600 kids there. Uh, they came from, oh, middle school wrestling teams, youth wrestling clubs. Uh, we had some special Olympians there. Uh, we had a ton of kids from uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, most uh, 
flood impacted uh, elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the community of Cedar Rapids, the business community of Cedar Rapids was hugely supportive. Um, I'm going to give a particular shout out to the, the uh, Cedar Rapids Marriott who kicked in uh, 2000 bucks for this effort last year. Terrific. Uh, and the wrestling community was very supportive. And uh, I actually, as you said in the introduction, uh, I, I run a small business, and I actually, after last year's uh, Tickets for Kids uh, effort, I just was really debating whether I wanted to uh, continue on. Uh, and then uh, Eric Betterman, uh, a few weeks ago, threw out a challenge on the open mat. Uh, and, and his basic idea was uh, wrestling fans should support their programs uh, just buy tickets, whether you can use them or not. And I drew upon my experiences with last year's tickets for kids and said, wait a minute, if we're going to buy the tickets, um, why don't we give them away? And uh, we, because believe me, my experience tells me you can find groups that'll take the tickets. That's not a problem. Sure. Um, so I threw out this fan challenge idea, which was um, which school's fans uh, could raise the most money to buy the most tickets uh, to get the most kids into uh, a wrestling event. And uh, the initial response has been uh, pretty good, uh, quite frankly. You bet. And then uh, after uh, it became uh, known a couple of weeks ago uh, that the University of Iowa was not going to be competing at this year's uh, national duels, uh, a couple of of the fans who support tickets for kids suggested that uh, we do an effort uh, specific to uh, national duels, and uh, uh, we've been having some luck with that, uh, especially from uh, my friends at uh, Cole and uh, Cornell. Uh, they, they've done a bang up job. And by the way. For those of you out there who might be competitive, uh, Co is kicking everybody's butt. So um, get on it. <laughs> Co Hawks are leading the way. Uh, how can our listeners get involved to help with the Tickets for Kids programs, Jim? Uh, well, if they go to the blog, um, they can find my address. They can find my uh, email. Um, you can tell me uh, which school uh, you're entering the fan challenge for and uh, which event that you want the kids uh, to be able to go to, uh, you can, uh, I mean, my address is, uh, it's Jim Brown, uh, 130 24th Street, Northeast, Cedar Rapids, 52402, or you can email me at uh, jim at Solutions the number four, the letter U, dot com. Uh, but all that information is, is in the blog. It's in the one that I wrote uh, this Monday, and then it's also in there from uh, two or three weeks ago. Absolutely. So for those of you wanting to get involved with the Tickets for Kids programs, please go to Jim Brown's blog at The View from Section GG, and you can get that right off of Google and go to his uh Articles as well as the Tickets for Kids program. We're talking with Jim Brown. Last season... Uh, just, just a second, Ken. I want to know more about... How, how did you get that title, Jim? 
section you, GG? <laughs> well, um, because I've over the last 23 years, I've watched most of my wrestling uh, from section GG, row 12, uh, seat 1 at Carver Hawkeye Arena. There you go. <laughs> I knew the Hawkeyes had to figure in there somewhere. That's a pretty good well, vantage point. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> well, it, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm a wrestling fan first, uh, but I, there's no denying uh, that, that I'm a Hawkeye fan. And uh, uh, I've I told this story a lot. What really uh, um, hooked me on wrestling was I had a friend back in 1970 uh, who wrestled for Augustana College in Rock Island. And he wanted to drive up to Ames uh, to go watch Gable wrestle, um, but he didn't want to go by himself. So he asked me to ride along. And I can't tell you who Gable wrestled. I can't tell you who the other team was. I can just tell you that I thought that what, what I watched him do, especially with those double arm bars, and I didn't even know what he was doing then. Mm -hmm. um, that, it, that was the beginning. Uh, you know, and quite honestly, if he'd have stayed at Iowa State and coached there, I'd be a Cyclone fan right now. Understand. I'm sure there would probably be uh, many that would follow, follow suit with that, Jim. Good to see that uh, you followed up on your friend's suggestion and made that road trip to Ames. I'm sure it was uh, well worth your time. Well, what was interesting is, you know, in those days, and, and this is one of the reasons that I, that, that I try to get the kids um, into the, these top-level wrestling events. In, in those days, back in the, in the, the 60s, we were all exposed to wrestling just as a part of our middle school education. Sure. Uh, every middle school had a, I don't know, four-week or six-week unit on, on wrestling, and, and you know, you learned basic things like, uh, you know, how to sit out and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was just, a, everybody uh, learned about wrestling in those days. We don't, we don't have that opportunity anymore. And we especially don't have the opportunity for kids to see almost iconic athletes. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think about uh, over the past couple of years, uh, the, the youngsters who, who have uh, gotten the chance uh, to see uh, guys like Jake Herbert or, or, or Brent Metcalf or, or any of the, the great college wrestlers, uh, uh, Ben Askren, uh, over these past few years, that's got to be motivating. It, 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 we want Absolutely. to bring them into the sport, and we want to keep them in the sport. And in order to do that, they've got to see how great the sport can be. Yep, they need to be inspired. They need to be dazzled. They need to be dazzled. They need to see some good stuff, and uh, and you've done a great job helping promote that. Uh, Jim, last wrestling season in February, you assisted the Dan Gable Museum in having our breakfast social in Cedar Rapids, first time we had taken it on the road. Uh, we did that the morning of the Coe versus Cornell dual meet. Uh, you are a huge asset in helping bring in a strong crowd. We had Baron Bremner and Dan Gable both speak at the event, along with co-college head wrestling coach John Osendorp, Cornell, Cornell College uh, coach Mike DeRoe both spoke as well. Our staff was thrilled with the result of the breakfast social, which was held at the Marriott in Cedar Rapids. Tell our listeners why it's important for people to uh, attend events of this nature. Well, You need to show your support in as many different ways 
uh, as you can. Now, uh, when when we did this event, uh, we did it also as as a uh, uh, fundraiser for uh, both programs, and mm-hmm. and uh, that helped both programs out. But also, part of it is when you've got somebody um, like uh, Baron Bremner, uh, who has given his life to to college education, college sports, uh, and wrestling. It's important that we uh, thank him in uh, any way that we possibly can. And uh, uh, so many times uh, these people go unnoticed, and and it it just can't be that way. Very good. Uh, We're talking with businessman Jim Brown from Cedar Rapids, one of the most active wrestling enthusiasts in the nation. Uh, Jim, your most recent blog uh, dealt with University of Iowa head wrestling coach Tom Brands' decision not to have his Iowa Hawkeyes compete in the national duels, which you mentioned earlier in the program, which will be held January 8th and 9th at the Unidome for the sixth consecutive year. For our listeners who haven't read the blog, tell them your intent on this topic as well as your personal feelings about Iowa not wrestling in the national duels this season. Well, uh, I make the point in the blog that, that uh, none of us uh, the NWCA, college wrestling fans, uh, UNI, none of us pays Tom Brand's salary. Uh, the University of Iowa does. And uh, they don't pay him uh, to advance the cause of wrestling. They pay him to educate young men, make them better wrestlers, uh, and uh, win championships. And so it is his right to uh, make the decision uh, based on what he thinks is best for his team. And he's made it pretty clear that uh, uh, he's got a young team that he's trying to bring along, and he's not sure that this is, this is the best option for them. Now, personally, uh, I, I just don't agree with it. Um, this is national duels, and, and I understand that national duels are, are in a state of flux anyway right now, but... This is my favorite event of the year. I just, it, it, it's, I think, the most unique uh, event in wrestling where you get the opportunity to see um, hundreds of athletes of, in different levels. It's one of the few places that, that uh, girls can go and see that uh, women can wrestle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a premier event, and, and unless... We in the wrestling community uh, can rise up and overcome the potential setback of the University of Iowa not competing because, as we all know, um, Iowa puts more butts in seats by far uh, than any wrestling program uh, in, in the country. And, and to not have Iowa there uh, can seriously harm um, both uh, national tools uh, and the University of Northern Iowa. Uh, you know, let's let's face it. This is this is their event. Uh, I mean, it's the NWCA's event, but but uh, uh, you and I is the one who stands to lose on this. And and uh, I can't. I I don't think it does us any good to debate uh, whether uh, Tom Brands is right or wrong. Uh, it, it isn't going to matter. He's Tom Branson. He's not going to change his mind. Uh, what does do us some good is for us to realize the potential 
impact that this can have on a great event, a great community, and a great university, and uh, do what we can uh, to make sure that uh, the best possible outcome uh, happens. Absolutely. Certainly a very good opinion there, and I, and I certainly appreciate you, your honesty on that. That's all the time that we have for this segment. We've been talking with wrestling enthusiast Jim Brown. Check out his... Fan of the year. Fan of the year. Let's Maybe the decade. Maybe the decade. <laughs> uh, check out his blog on The View from Section GG, and please help participate with the Tickets for Kids program. Jim, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. Keep up the good work. Doug, Kent, thanks a bunch. You betcha. Thank you, Jim. All right, we need to take a break. You're listening to On the Mat, KCNZ, AM 1650, The Fan. We will be back in two minutes talking with former NCAA national runner-up in wrestling, Joel Greenlee. Jim Rome here with your Rome Report. As for Reggie Bush, no credit for giving back what they were coming to get from him in the first place. Being the first guy to ever give back the Heisman Trophy is bad, but having the Heisman Trust rip it from him is even worse, and that's why he forfeited it. He didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. He did it because he had no choice. He cheated, he lied, he got caught, and now his program and the guys playing there are paying a steep price because he had his hand out and he could not wait a little longer to get paid. Today's Trojans can't compete for a BCS title or even play in a bowl game for the next two years because he couldn't stay down. The program will be on probation through 2013 because of something he did several years ago. So anytime you want to actually accept some responsibility, acknowledge what you did, and apologize for it, that would be cool, Reg. But until he does that, don't look for me to applaud him for, quote, doing the right thing. He didn't. He did it because he had to. The frame of a race car is forged, calibrated, and tested beyond measure. The frame of the new Chevy Silverado HD was forged, calibrated, tested, tortured, and beaten beyond measure. It resulted in a high-strength, fully boxed steel frame that can carry up to 6,635 pounds. That's more than Ford or Dodge. For more info on the most powerful heavy duty ever made, go to Chevy.com slash new Silverado HD. Requires regular cab model and gas engine. Maximum payload capacity includes weight of driver, passengers, optional equipment and cargo. See dealer for details. You know how to tell if a man is serious about the work he does with his hands? Look at his feet. If he stands in a pair of red wing boots, that means he stands for something. He cares about the work he does and the crew he works with. He works with his brains as much as his brawn. Work is craft. Work is complex. Work is family. Work is pride. Red wing work boots are purpose built for the exact work you do. Red wing shoes. Work is our work. Coaching college football is tougher than you think. It's a lot more than months of practice, hours of film, and countless X's and O's. They also endure a grueling schedule of radio broadcasts. The Cyclone Sideline Show, Mondays at 6.30 on the Cyclone Network. Join John Walters for the Cyclone Sideline Show every Monday night from 6.30 until 8. It's your chance to hear from and talk to the coach. The Cyclone Sideline Show, Monday night, 6.30 till 8 on The Fan. I'm meteorologist Ray Meller with your weather eye forecast on The Fan. We'll see a good chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight, the low of 55, and northwest winds at 5 to 15. Thursday, a few showers early in the day, otherwise sunny skies with a high of 66 and light northwest winds. Friday, a chance of an isolated storm with a high of 72. Saturday, a slight chance of storms with a high of 69. Sunday, partly cloudy with a high of 76. I'm meteorologist Ray Miller on 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. Right now, it's 81.
Welcome back to On The Man. I'm Kent Sesker with the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum, joined by the always charming Doug Van Gelder. Our next guest is a native of Waverly, Iowa, where he was a state wrestling champion in 1984 at 185 pounds, went on to UNI, where he was a two-time All-American, placing second in the NCAA tournament as a senior at heavyweight, and will be inducted into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame this weekend. Welcome, Joel Greenlee. How are you, Joel? Good, how are you? Good, good. All right. Uh, you told me earlier you're in the process of driving back to Iowa as we speak. Uh, what kind of emotions are you experiencing as you prepare to be inducted into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit excited. I haven't been back to UNI in a while, so uh, uh, it, it's neat to be going back for the weekend. Okay, good deal. Uh, the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame had its charter class in 1985, which included wrestlers Bill Smith, the only Olympic champion UNI has produced in any sport, Jerry Lehman, who was also an Olympic silver medalist, Bill Cole and Keith Young, some of the greatest wrestlers ever uh, to put on a UNI singlet or Iowa State teachers at the time. You become the 26th UNI wrestler to join this Hall of Fame along with the likes of Bill Wick, Gene Liebert, Mike McCready, Frank Freeman, Jim Miller, Gary Bentram, G Ken Snyder, and several others. How does it make you feel to be uh, in this elite company of these great athletes with your induction this weekend? Uh, I guess uh, I guess, I guess kind of humble, you know. I, there's, there's some great wrestlers you're talking about there. I think there's some great wrestlers that aren't in the Hall of Fame, but... You know, Rich Powers is a great wrestler. Uh, uh, you know, my brother, he's a great wrestler, three-time All-American, two-time finalist, guys like that. So, um, you know, uh, a little bit humble to be going in and, and uh, uh, with a bunch of guys that, that uh, really made a difference in, in you and I wrestling. Absolutely. A very uh, elite class there, and obviously there's still many others that have earned their credentials to be added to future Hall of Fame classes. Uh, you grew up in Waverly. How old were you when yep. you How old were you when you started wrestling, and why did this sport appeal to you? Uh, <laughs> I was third grade. Uh, they used to have an oh, like a a tournament at Janesville. It was the first time I ever wrestled there was a tournament at Janesville. I, I think more than anything, my older brother was going. He's two years older than I am, and uh, I just kind of tagged along and went. I uh, had a little bit of success at the tournament, and kind of fell in love with it been in there. Okay, so it's worked out very well. Third grade and took you to uh, a lot of different places. Uh, interestingly, uh, you wrestled all four years of your high school career at the same weight class, 185 pounds. Uh, you placed fifth in the state as a sophomore, were a state qualifier as a junior, and then uh, won the gold medal as a senior. Looking back at your high school days, uh, Coach Greenlee, uh, who were the biggest positive influences on you and why? Um, I'd say, you know, first of all, as a high school wrestling coach, Mike Dotson, uh, you know, he made a, a big influence on me just from the standpoint of, uh, you know, hey, there, there's different ways you could be successful. Uh, for me, part of it was getting stronger, getting a little bit, you know, getting a little bit bigger, uh, better technically. Uh, I had other teammates, you know, for them. The way they were going to succeed was going to be conditioning, things like that. So he was pretty good at figuring out, hey, this is what you need to do to get better. Uh, plus, 
uh, he was very interested in making me a better person, not just a better wrestler. Uh, and then there's, there's another guy in high school named Lowell Strike. Uh, he, he was an assistant wrestling coach and a, a teacher at Waverly. And, and, you know, he kind of took me under, under his wing and started me lifting weights, things like that, proper nutrition, and, and uh, that made a, a big difference in my career. Absolutely. We're talking with Joel Greenlee, who will be inducted into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame this weekend. You had a terrific career as a heavyweight wrestler for UNI, where you compiled a record of 127 wins, 16 losses, 4 ties. 88% of the time uh, you got your hand raised. You placed uh, twice at the NCAA tournament, 4th in uh, 88 as a junior, 2nd in 89 as a senior. You also won the prestigious Midlands Championships and were named the Outstanding Wrestler of that tournament. What are some of your fondest memories wrestling for the UNI Panthers? Uh, I, I think uh, a lot of different things. My junior year, uh, well, I think maybe it was my sophomore year, uh, Jeff Wetterman was our 190-pounder. I wrestled heavyweight. We had a lot of success. We had a lot of dual meets come down to the last two weight classes. Uh, and I think we set a, a, a UNI record for dual wins that year. Uh, going to Virginia Duels and having success as a team. Uh, we were third in that, I think, my sophomore year. Third or fourth, I can't remember for sure. Things like that were, you know, I think uh, real special memories. Uh, the things we did as a team. Um, you know, I remember there are years years when I wrestled there anyway, we were ranked at the top eight in the country in the Jumi polls for almost every year that I wrestled. That's a pretty solid uh, statement there. Obviously, had some very good teams back in the the late 80s, amongst many years, that UNI wrestling has has been very strong. Uh, we're talking with Joel Greenlee. After college, you wrestled internationally for a few years. Uh, did you have other career plans uh, when you stopped competing, or did you just want to become a wrestling coach? I just wanted to become a wrestling coach. Probably from the time I was uh, probably from the time I was a freshman in college on. I think uh, I had a little different. Uh, I wasn't thinking too much along the lines of of coaching when I went into college, but once I got there, I really liked the atmosphere, kind of fell in love with wrestling there. Um, I might have had a lot of success in high school because, uh, uh, you know, I just didn't know any better. Um, but once I got to college, I figured out, hey, you know, I really had a passion for the sport, wanted to stick with it, wanted to uh, help other people with some of the, you know, some of the knowledge I gained through the sport. Absolutely. One of your college teammates and now an assistant coach at UNI, Mark Schwab, apparently gave himself the nickname The Duke while he was a student athlete at UNI. Is this a good moniker for Mark Schwab? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I remember when he did it, actually. He just came <laughs> in and announced, announced one day that, hey, I'm going to be called The Duke from here on out. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be fun hooking up with him this weekend, isn't it? I, I, I heard the story, and I, w I wanted to hear it from one of his teammates, but that's pretty much how he said it, too. He said one day, he said, just came in and said, from now on, you guys just call me the Duke. That's, that, that was basically it. I, 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 I don't remember any rhyme or reason or why, but 
I do, I do remember what happened. I was like, all right, that's what we'll call you from now on. He's the Duke. All right. Uh, we're talking with Joel Greenlee. Uh, Joel, you placed second in the Olympic trials in, in 1992 to Bruce Baumgartner, who uh, won his second Olympic gold medal in Barcelona, Spain that year. How many times did you wrestle Baumgartner, and what made him so difficult to beat? Uh, well, I, you know what? I'm not exactly sure how many times I wrestled him. I would say, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of 10, give or take, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a lot of things. I mean, he was he he worked exceptionally hard for for a heavyweight. I thought, uh, you know, he he was unbelievably strong, and he understood what he could do and what he couldn't do. Um, and he was going to stick to what he could do, and there was no way you were going to get him in any sort of position that he couldn't be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was just his, that was just his thing. Did you ever beat Baumgartner? <laughs> Not when it counted. <laughs> uh, I, so you did beat him, though? Uh, I, you know, we wrestled a few times in, uh, uh, in practice matches and things like that where I got the better of him. I wrestled in, in front of... Uh, uh, at the Dapper Dan one year, we, we worked out in front of all the kids down there, and I, you know, I had a pretty good day there. But uh, when it counted and uh, uh, something was on the line, no, I, I never did beat him. Okay, well, nothing to be ashamed of there. Bruce Baumgartner, of course, uh, one of the most successful wrestlers in American history. From you look at it from a pure number standpoint, he was our most successful wrestler. I believe 13 world and Olympic medals, uh, four times in the Olympics. He brought home a medal, two golds, a silver, and a bronze. A bronze in, 90, in 1996, I believe he was about 35, 36 years old at the time, so he had a fantastic career. Uh, we're talking with Joel Greenlee. You're starting your 14th season as the head coach at Ohio University. What led you to Ohio U and how long do you plan on being the head coach? Well, uh, I think in uh, 1997, uh, I got a call from uh, uh, one of the associate athletic directors. He asked, asked if I was interested in, uh, in in coming out to the Ohio and, and being the coach. And uh, uh, I remember I drove through around on US 50 on the outskirts of Athens one time maybe a year or two before that, I go, man, that's a, that's a beautiful campus. That's a nice place. That's a nice place to live. So, um, you know, I went out there for an interview and, and they offered me the job and I took it, moved out there. Uh, as far as how long do I plan on staying, that, that's, that's something that's pretty hard to say. I mean, right now I, I love the coach wrestling. I, I, I like everything about it, but I also think at some point in time it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a young man's game, so I don't want to be in it forever. But I don't see myself getting out of it the next few years either. Absolutely. We're talking with Joel Greenlee, who will be inducted into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame this Saturday. Going back to your competitive days, Joel, who was the toughest opponent you wrestled in high school, and who was the toughest opponent you wrestled in college? Uh, boy. You know, the toughest opponent I wrestled in high school is a guy that, um, that I, 
that that finished third in the state tournament my senior year, a guy named Clint Long. I think he was from Eldridge, North Scott. Sure, Clint um, Long, yeah. Short, stocky guy. No he neck. He got some publicity a few <laughs> years ago because he went to college late. Uh, I mean, he might have been like 30 almost when he yeah. went to college and competed. I remember. Things like that. But that, that guy was unbelievably hard to wrestle. He was short, stocky, tough to really do anything to. Um, and then as, as far as college goes, there, there are two guys that I thought were pretty darn, pretty darn tough. Uh, obviously, Carlton Hasserig, you know, I wrestled him uh, three or four times, maybe five times throughout our college career. I wrestled him in freestyle a couple times while we were still in college as well. I tied him in the all-star meet in uh, 80, 88, I believe. I uh, lost him in the national finals in 89. So uh, he was pretty tough. And there's a, a guy from North Carolina State named Mike Lombardo that I wrestled when I was a sophomore. And, uh, Lombardo was he was a great athlete. You know, he, he was kind of the same build as I was, maybe a little bit taller and thin, really good on top. Uh, hard, to, hard to do anything again. Pretty good athlete. Once, once you got in on a leg or anything like that, it was going to be a, a dog fight and a scramble to finish it. Absolutely. Well, some certainly some very respectable opponents that you battled there. Uh, we just got a couple minutes left here, Coach. Um, just in a nutshell, what do you enjoy most about coaching wrestling? Uh, seeing the difference you can make in kids. I mean, not not only wrestling wise, it, 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 it's a lot of fun to see. Uh, athletes come in as a freshman and you make a difference as far as their wrestling and what their goals and aspirations are and try to help them reach those goals and aspirations but it's also fun to try to get them to, to realize everything else that goes around them uh, as far as academics what they're going to do uh, for a career when they get out uh, you know some of the things that, that we do community service wise and try to get them to understand how how all those things work together uh, and are important to them and your program as well. Absolutely. That's I good. think it's just plain fun, too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's just plain fun to do it. something that you love. Fell in love yep. with wrestling in the third grade, and you're going to keep it for the rest of your life. Uh, Coach Joel Greenlee, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. Congratulations again on your induction this weekend into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hope you find the Duke. All right. <laughs> Find the Duke and uh, see if you can take that take that little guy down. All right. That's uh, Joel Greenlee again, Waverly native, UNI wrestling legend, going into the UNI Athletics Hall of Fame. Great stuff all the way around. We uh, need to wrap it up already. Uh, Let's remind yep. some dates here. Doug, again, thanks again. Yes, tomorrow night, Panther Wrestling Booster Club, 7 p.m. at Beck's. Uh, next Friday, September 24th, Dan Gable Museum, quarterly breakfast, 8 to 9 a.m. And Tuesday, September 28th, UNI Coaches Social at Jerry Rowling's home in Cedar Falls. Thank you for turning in to On the Mat and supporting the world's oldest and greatest sport. Tune in every Wednesday at 5 p.m. to hear On the Mat, AM 1650 The Fan. Good night. God bless. <laughs>